Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. My heart was beating, I was sweating, everything. And then all of a sudden, Peter Cech came to me and just said to me, Bernd, how are you? Good game, good luck, and everything in German. And I was like, how does he know my name? He's a legend. It is the American Dream. Steve Schlanger with Tim Ream. Glad to have you with us. And also someone else who will be with us coming up shortly is this week's guest, Bernd Leno, the keeper for Fulham. Also in the mix with the German national team at this point in his career, looking ahead at the upcoming Euros next summer, which Germany will host. But right now, his full attention, obviously, in London with Fulham. We'll get to Bernd coming up shortly. But first things first, uh, there is a victory over Wolves that we need to put a bow on and get our heads around because so much happened during the course of that game. A lot of controversy. Tim Ream, you were very much a focal point of that. Getting an early yellow card, what happened? Take me through your perspective, how things began in that game and how you picked up the early caution. We won three to two. End of story. Fantastic. That's all Three that, points. That's all Move that matters, on. right? That's all that matters. All that matters. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Uh, everything else is is just fluff. It's just talk. Doesn't matter. It's just it's just talk. Um, but that's what we do. It's that's exactly oh, what we do. Oh, no, that's right. Yes, yes. Of course, of course. So I forgot was that, about was, that. Yeah. was it a yellow? Was that worthy of the oh, yellow yeah, you sure. were issued? All right, just yes. making sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I realized that Harrison Reed was actually a lot closer to me than than I thought, then I thought. Mm. Didn't need to take it, um, but hey, we we had talked about oh stop the counterattacks because they're good at counterattacks. Sold myself short a little bit to begin with because I thought he was going to take the touch on the inside instead of laying off of him a, a half a yard and waiting for him to take the touch and then and then going in, which I'm usually I'm usually fairly good at. Got it wrong, um, and then had to had to take one for the team until I realized I didn't have to take one for the team, and then had to play from the 17th minute on with a yellow card. So yeah, it was a, it was, it was fun skating. When the foul was first called, did you think it happened in the box? Did you think it was going to be a penalty? Oh, the second one? Um, no, I didn't actually. Um, I, I, I thought I'd, I'd gotten enough, uh, side by side. Um, and then I actually have a bruise on my calf that he, he kicked, um, kick my calf but uh, it's again it's one of those that you've seen him given so it wasn't like a total shock to be completely honest with you um it's especially after after they had given the our first one um so it wasn't uh yeah it wasn't it didn't come as a, as a complete surprise um so i wasn't oh what was i upset yeah of course but i wasn't overly like like i said surprised that that they they gave a second or a second penalty in in the game to to kind of level things up. Um, see it all the time. Um, so it's it was, it was one of those. When you pick up an early yellow as a center back, does that change the way you have to play or your approach to the game in any way? For me, not really. I think this is probably the most yellow cards I've had in a in a season. Um, anyway so i i don't tend to to get in those positions too often that that i have to take yellow cards like that um so it's yeah i, I don't i don't really have to have to change 
um, the the way I play. I'm, I'm sure some others who are play a, a more physical game, um, you know, w- would have to um, in in that instance. But um, yeah, because of because of the the kind of the style that I play in, I, I don't I don't really have to change. Um, I don't have to change too much. I just know that now I'm I don't have a freebie um, at, at any point for in the next what 70 some odd minutes um in the game so it's um it's just making sure you're not putting yourself in that same type of situation um to try to you know have to do a tactical foul to to stop a counterattack. and in the end was the takeaway uh with marco silva and all of your teammates one of hey we got through it we got the three points let's move on or did you dig deeper as to everything that actually happened in the game and try to sort it all out had the day off um the day after um that we don't ever do a deep dive in the in the changing room afterwards um so we've we've not not done a, a crazy um amount on it just you know talk amongst amongst ourselves about some of the some of the decisions some of the calls the VAR um but no nothing in terms of of you know what what the game was and, and what the game entailed. Um, I think the biggest takeaway was that we, we felt as a, as a team um, and have, have said as much that we, we felt that was more like us, more kind of more aggressive, more um, quicker with the ball, moving it better, um, getting in better in better positions and, and making better decisions with it um, and, and creating problems for, for the other team. But it's not, Nothing that we've looked at, no, no video, nothing like that um, up to this point. Uh, you know, we would do a deeper dive here on this show were it not for the fact that we have a guest that I believe trumps that conversation. Yes. It is a guy who at least once a week spends 90 minutes looking at your backside. But today hmm. he gets to confront you face to face. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, he does. I, I make sure I go in the gym though, so he has something you know to look at. Um, but yeah, he is usually behind me, um, and he is usually barking orders. Uh, listen, he's he's I, I love him. You know, he's he's a he's a great great person, um, great keeper, and we're obviously we're very lucky that that he's you know he's come to come to Fulham, and I'm very lucky that that I get to to play with him. Um, but yeah, he does spend. 90 minutes, um, or in the case of the Wolves game, almost 114, um, staring at the, the back of me. Um, so I apologize for mm-hmm. that, but, um, I figured, yeah, we may as well have him on and, and hear his side of the, his side of things. Um, after, after, uh, just over a year of playing together. Well, let's not keep him waiting. Fulham keeper, Burnt Leno joining us here on the American dream. Bert, we thank you for joining us. How you doing today? Um, yeah, thank you as well. Um, I'm doing well, just chilling at home, watching a bit of football, nothing special. What uh, is a typical evening at home for you like after you go to training, you have some time off? What do you do? As I said, nothing special. I'm a very chilled guy and all this stuff, and I love being at home and, yeah, just uh, be a normal person. He's the most chilled German I think I've ever met, for sure. <laughs> the most chilled German. He's the most chilled German and the most normal goalkeeper I think I've ever I've ever encountered. And we all know the goalkeepers are they're a little bit crazy. Not the not Burn though. He's he's pretty normal. Yeah, I take that as a compliment. Yeah, you should. That's definitely <laughs> definitely a compliment. <laughs> Why is it, Burn? Why do you think so many goalkeepers have maybe a screw loose, might be a little crazy from time to time? Why is that? I don't know, um, because for me, um, I always love being goalkeeper, but a lot of players, a lot of people say, like, you have to be crazy, you have to be different uh, to be a goalkeeper. But um, I love my job. I've never regretted, like, uh, going into goal and and all this stuff. Um, But I agree with Tim that a lot of goalkeepers are different, sometimes kind of weird, but, um, yeah. Thank God uh, a lot of players don't put me in the same box as the weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your relationship like with Tim? Obviously, you guys play, what, you know, 
10 feet apart most of the time. Other times it's inches apart uh, on a regular basis. And you're two of the older players on uh, Fulham. So how do you guys get along? What's the relationship like between you two? I think, uh, yeah, off the pitch, on the pitch, we we get along uh, very well. I think, um, especially with my central defenders, um, I think 99% of the games I played for Fulham, Tim was uh, in front of me. I think you need a like a special relationship because um, I have to trust him. He has to trust me and, and everything. So, um, yeah, I think we get along quite well and, and all this stuff and we communicate uh, on the pitch, off the pitch and everything. And uh, as I said, goalkeeper and defenders is always uh, yeah, special relationship. Completely normal. It's a, it's a normal relationship. Healthy. I was going to say, See? at what point will you start trusting him? You know, I mean, it's like every day, yeah. every minute of every day. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because um, as I said, when, when I look to my left, it's always Tim. And he's always like uh, waiting for the ball to pass to him because we try to play a lot of shorts and everything. So, um, yeah. So I trust in you, Tim. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, it has to be a unique relationship, right? Because you guys are involved in high leverage situations and split second decisions are made right in front of the goal mouth. And so sometimes there's not a lot of opportunity for communication. So you have to have that understanding, that innate instinct and sense of what the other wants and might do, right? Absolutely. Because um, like our position uh, takes a lot of responsibility and, and everything. So um I think a mistake from the defender is probably 90% of the times is a, is a big chance. As a goalkeeper, it's probably even worse that you make a mistake. Make a mistake, usually it's a goal and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's about, how can I say that? It's about, yeah, sometimes reading situations. What is your defender doing? What is the goalkeeper doing? I think for Timmers as well, like, is the goalkeeper coming? Is he staying in goal and, and all this stuff? And then you have to trust your goalkeeper, I have to trust the defender that, uh, I don't know, he goes to the defender or I come out and everything. So um, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to know what kind of players as a goalkeeper you have in front of you. And um, But I have to say, like, from, from the first game, I remember last season, um, you had a very good feeling with, with Tim, or not only with Tim in general, I think with my defenders. And, um, yeah, so in general, we were doing really well. Can you think of a situation, and this question really is for both of you, where something happened and then afterwards you thought, well, you know what, if we didn't have this sort of understanding and this sort of relationship, that could have gone really poorly and that could have gone sideways. But because of the way we understand each other, it worked out. Um, Yeah, of course. But I think it's also probably a bit of experience. You just said we are uh, one of the older players and um, especially Tim. <laughs> never yeah, fails. It never right. fails. No, Tim is like 25 and I'm like 22. So everything is fine. <laughs> and probably that's, it's a little bit like uh, experience as well because um, as a young player, probably you overre- overreact. You're a little bit too excited and everything. And um, after a couple of years in, in professional football, you know um, what to do and everything. And Tim is probably like, as a person or as a player, same as me, he's more calm. He's not too loud or he doesn't, he's not too emotional and all this stuff. So um, I think that helped both of us to, to adapt to each other or to adapt to the team for, for me. And um, yeah, that helped a lot. I think, I think the one instance that, that sticks out in my mind is maybe Chelsea away last year. Um, ball over the top. And, and I know it's over the top. I, I'm not going to get there. I know Burns coming. And I know he's going to force the guy, come, like force the guy away from goal and wide. And so I trust that he's going to do that. And so what's my only job? Well, he's coming out. So my only job now is to get to the line for anything that, that, you know, somehow, some way gets put to that area. Um, and not, it, it may look like it was craziness. Um, and it may look like, oh, that like, you know, that, that, that doesn't look right, but Ball gets played over the top over me. Okay, I see Burn coming out. I don't have to say anything. He doesn't have to say anything. I know what he's going to do, so I'm going to do the opposite and I'm going to cover for him. And and he, you know, he forces the guy wide, plays, tries to 
to to you know hit the goal um you know he shoots on goal and and i i clear it but like again that comes from from experience i knew what what burn was going to do and i i would hope he he felt that he knew what i was going to do and so i think that's just that's just one instance but i mean there's there's so many more where you know you think of uh, think of like a cross coming in and i'm like i'm gonna go to head it and he's coming out and he's flying out and i hear him uh, Hey, I can I know he's coming because I've already taken a look, but you can hear him, right? He's communicating. And I'm I'm already half jumping. And I think, no, nah, I I can't. If I jump here, I'm in big trouble. Like because cause he's not one that's just gonna stop. He's coming and he's taking everything. And so, like in those situations, I think, okay, I have to duck and kind of move a little bit, but still kind of give a, the defender the a little bit of a body to give burn more chance and a and a cleaner take. But I think those situations can go wrong so many times if if defenders still jump even though they hear their their keeper coming. Thankfully, I I don't because I know that my back is probably going to get a knee through it or or worse. So well, there was that time what a few weeks ago, and Tim, I think we talked about it where there was the play, the ball was coming in, and you kind of just stopped and kind of turtled a little bit yeah. and kind of ducked because you, you knew percent. that burn was coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear him. He He's like, he's vocal. So he, he tells you when he's coming. And at that point you, you're almost just, you're, I wouldn't say you like you, you don't turtle like so much, but you definitely, you brace yourself. Cause like, you, you kind of, you, you're like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to take a knee to the back of the head. Cause that's concussion. That means you're, you're out for weeks. Um, but you also don't want to, don't want to get in the way. So it's, it's this like fine line of of still being able to affect the attacker while also making yourself small enough that you give give him the room and space that he needs to come and claim a ball. It's it's it, it is it's a balance, but um I mean I I'm pretty sure and we were we were actually joking today um while we were while we were getting on the on the bikes that I don't I don't know that I've seen Burn make any major calamitous mistakes other than than the other night and and even then it wasn't a calamitous mistake he just he took one that one little extra touch and then said oh, i'm gonna toe i'm gonna toe poke this ball over i'm i'm, I'm getting it out of here we're done i was waiting for carl to to carl to move and then he was not there and then the guy was so close and then uh lost the ball, but um yeah my defender helped me that's so it i tried to help them it's all the, the time. trust listen it's the trust right you trust everyone and I think that helps like uh, everyone and um, yeah, especially um, as a goalkeeper, sometimes you need your defenders and in that case, um, yeah, they did a really good job. I lost the ball and then all of a sudden there were three, four players in the six yard box and it was impossible for them to score. And Bern, what's your approach on something like what Tim was talking about when you have to go up for a ball like that and you know that you might take out one of your own players? I'm sure you don't want to wipe out Tim or anybody else, but are you thinking, look, I'm just going to get the ball and whatever else happens, happens? Or are you trying to also protect your teammates? How do you do both sometimes? Yeah, it's a difficult one because sometimes I just come with a, with my fist and punch the ball. And, and everything but uh, as Tim said I try to to um, always shout keeper that my defenders know that the keeper is coming the strikers they know the keeper is coming because a lot of players are scared of keepers elbows knees and to get a concussion concussion whatever and also that my defenders uh, they block the players to um, like make a little bit more space for me because in the Premier League there's a lot of blockers and physical players. It's it's not as easy. Like for example in Germany, it's much much easier to to come for a cross. And um, yeah, but sometimes when you go, I remember I think it was uh, before the Wolves game, cross came in, and um, yeah, I think it was toss. My knee was at his back. Someone else was on the floor as well, and I just uh, punched the ball out of the box. Do you remember? <laughs> in training and yeah in training in yeah training, but i had yeah. to i had to go like this i was like the ball came and the ball was halfway i said like loud keeper and whenever a striker and there was i think there was two offensive players yeah and when they yeah, go they to the header then it's their problem and um that's part of my job because i think conceding conceding a goal hurts for me more than for them 
What do you think, especially in the Premier League, is the most difficult decision a keeper has to make? That's hard to say. I would say like uh, crosses, set pieces in general. I think decision makings for through balls um, like outside your box are very, very difficult because it's very hard to judge balls and you have a lot of responsibility. You go, you go out when you miss the ball. It's either a red card the goal so you have a lot of you take a lot of risk in these kind of situations so i would say this is the most like difficult part of goalkeeping in general um yeah but but of course like as i said in germany it was much much easier to go for crosses and everything in the premier league you always have blocking players um, of course the quality of the deliveries are much better in general the quality is is much much better so it's um yeah much more demanding and much, can I say that much more complicated in general, the, the being a goalkeeper in, in the Premier League. And um, I've been really enjoying Premier League and it's my sixth season already. Yeah, and I would say I'm definitely a much better keeper than, than, than uh, before when I just played in, in, in Germany. Well, for you, right, on a through ball, let's say, right, a ball over the top or a ball on the ground, are you only judging the ball or are you judging the attacker as well? We had a couple of, of these balls. First half yeah. was one. And um, I think in the second half were one or two. One like, But it's yeah. a very good question. Um, I would say I'm scanning the whole situation. So the striker, um, then my defenders as well. Because I can make like a big, big mess. When my defender's there, there's no point for me to go. Then I make mm. it like more... It's just a mess afterwards because when my defender's there there's no point for me to come because the defender when he's there he can pass the ball he can clear the ball there's no point for me to come outside but as i said i scanned the whole situation where's the ball um where's the striker of course how's the pitch because when the pitch is dry it's Mm. much more difficult for me to come out because then the um the striker he always has the advantage because the ball stops but against wolf the other night uh, pitch was wet so the ball came always to me it was much much easier and um, yeah takes a lot of risk and and everything but the way we play it's necessary that I'm like very high um, sometimes I have to say I gamble a little bit because um, when I see that I don't know strikers making a run from from the side of or diagonal or whatever because I see everything you don't see that but I see everything like from from behind I have very good vision then I just gamble and go like one or two seconds before because from the halfway line normally they can't score yeah they're not yeah they're not looking up are they yeah exactly and then I just go one or two steps forward and then I have already like with my body weight I've always the advantage and when I see I don't get the ball I just go back so I have more than enough time to um to go back into my goal and uh, be like in a normal position and um yeah i really feel comfortable with that and i think um most of the times uh i made a good decision and helped the team because you know you know that probably better than me there we have a very high line yeah and you need a goalkeeper to be um behind the line and take a lot of risk and um yeah when you have certain crosses that are coming, uh, whether it's from a corner kick or from the run of play, where you might come out versus staying in goal, where you might catch it versus punching it, is there kind of a general philosophy you operate by? I have to say not really. Of course, it depends. Uh, for example, at corners, in-swing, out-swing, I think it's safe for the defenders, a little bit mm-hmm. higher position, lower position. Um, but I think on set pieces, it's always like, it depends on the ball. It depends, am I blocked, near post, back post, or whatever. And But in open play, for example, um, it's a little bit like the through balls. It's a little bit reading the situation. How far is the player? Like, is he outside the six-yard box? How is his angle? Can he shoot? Um, or how close is he to the byline? Then I can be a little bit higher because from there, the risk is um, much lower to um, that he can score a goal from, from there. And then, read his body language is he looking just on the ball is he looking at me where's the striker and then um you can take a little bit more risk i wouldn't say gamble i think the right word is anticipate the situation and anticipate uh the ball because with that you can you can um yeah you can 
kill the chance before it's the chance is even there. And um, yeah, I think that's that's part of I would say the modern goalkeeping and all this stuff. And um, yeah, I think with our goalie coach and in general, uh, I've been working a lot on on all these things and watching clips and videos and and all this stuff. And um, I I think that's so like. That's just kind of like a, a small sample size, right? But when when you think about what he's like, what you're saying there, as a goalkeeper, the different things that he's having to to judge, to read, to anticipate, to consider, the the number of of decisions that you you end up having to make in a in a match is just it's crazy. Like, and and he's just named a few, like, and and those few can be done or would have to be done in in maybe one sequence of play and that's that that to me like you as as someone who's watching the outside they see the cross they see your decision right they they only see the end the end result they don't see oh i've i've seen that runner i've seen that runner he's had to block him he's had to block him this guy's trying to block me i'm only going to be able to punch this ball like and it all happens like with in the blink of an eye the snap of a finger it's it's actually crazy. And men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football. Less Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Tappity taps, mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less. Thing I love about Prize Picks is, is how simple it is to use. They're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season. No more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Let's jump into Pepper's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles. And bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. You obviously made an impact right from the start. Um, I know you played in Germany for a long time, 300 plus uh, appearances for Leverkusen, and you were actually uh, the youngest German goalkeeper to ever start a Champions League match uh, when you were 19 years of age. What do you remember about that? I remember that that um, it felt it was it felt like it was yesterday because um, I was playing for my hometown club in in Stuttgart. Um, I played there for eight years. Was in the under 23s, played third division football and everything. And um, yeah, then all of a sudden, I received a phone call from Leverkusen, and I was playing under 23s in Stuttgart, and Leverkusen was playing Champions League. And then uh, my agent called me and said, oh, Leverkusen wants you as number one, blah, blah. And I was like, the under-23s are the first team. And he said, no, the, thir- uh, the first team, because their goalkeeper got injured and they need a goalkeeper um, because he's got like a big, big uh, knee injury. He's out for six months, probably even more. And I was like, no, that can't be true, blah, blah, blah. And then after like two weeks, I, all of a sudden I was in Leverkusen. Bundesliga. And I played three Bundesliga games. And then I remember that was, I think, in September 2011. All of a sudden, I was at Stamford Bridge playing Champions League. And uh, we lost 2-0. But I had an unbelievable uh, game and everything. And I couldn't believe that moment, listening to the Champions League music and all this stuff. And four weeks ago, I just played in front of like 2,000 people. And um, yeah, that was... It was a crazy story and um, yeah, it changed my life. This is two now that we have had on. Tosin was, is the youngest ever player to play for City in the Champions League. And now you're the youngest ever German goalkeeper to play in the Champions League. Hey, we get some guests on here, Stevie. 
We, we, we get, <laughs> hey, this is, I like this. Well, it's fascinating, Bert. So since you remember so clearly, take me back to that time. You're standing on the pitch. You're listening to the Champions League anthem. You're 19 years of age. Just weeks before, you're, you're playing in front of 2,000 people. I mean, what is going through your head? Take me through the moment and the game and how that all went down. It didn't feel real. Even 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 the even the training before before the game, we trained at Stamford Bridge, and I just knew the stadium from FIFA, from the PlayStation and and everything. And then I remember I came uh, out of the dressing room. You wait for for the referees for for everything, and then I see all the big boys like Drogba, Torres, Lampard, Terry, David Lewis, and then Peter checking goal. And all of a sudden, I was nervous. I had like, I was, my heart was beating. I was sweating everything. And then all of a sudden, sudden Peter Cech came to me and just said to me, Bernd, how are you? Good game, good luck and everything in German. And I was like, how does he know my name? He's a legend. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I was like, this is this is not possible. And I just like played three Bundesliga games and then uh, I played in the Champions League. And then Peter Cech, like probably one of the biggest goalkeepers, came to me and everything and I couldn't believe and then I went out Champions League anthem and and all this stuff and it was just goosebumps and then the game I made like a first save second save third save and then I made like so many saves and we just considered I think around minute 70 and then the second goal was 90 plus three was just a counter-attack and and all this stuff and I remember after that game the the, the Leverkusen fans, uh, they were singing my name and, and all this stuff. And um, yeah, that was 100% like a memories with, that uh, I will never forget. And even though we lost uh, that game, um, yeah, this game or that night will be always special in my heart. Steve, what were you doing at 19? Uh, I think I was playing uh, intramural football um, in college. I think it was Mizzou against Central Missouri State. And um, our anthem was probably um, a Motley Crue song. So, um, you know, hey, same thing, right? You know, the sweating, the nerves, the heart pumping, you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, Ricky Bobby comes up and says, Steve, how are you doing? You know, it was kind of like Peter Check. I mean, it, it was the same thing. It was the same thing. Yeah, same, same, uh, same. That's that's a, an incredible story, um, Burnt. I'm wondering. So, when the game starts, are you thinking, "All right, I got to, I got to get into it. I got to settle in. I got to get a touch on the ball. Something to sort of get you into the rhythm and to kind of settle the nerves." What were you thinking as the game kicked off? I just said to myself, um, "Just be yourself. Do whatever you do. Do simple things. Don't try like to." to show everyone how good I am and all this stuff. And I did exactly the same. I didn't take too much risk and all this stuff. And then I was in the game. You made the, I made the first good save. I think it was against Torres, 1v1 save and all this stuff. And then I came for crosses and all this stuff. So I was very brave, but I didn't take too much risk. And I think that should be the case as a goalkeeper because 50-50 situations are not for a goalkeeper. And all this stuff that's maybe for a midfielder or for a striker, even for a defender, 50 50 is quite risky. And um, yeah, so I did just my job, made a couple of good saves and uh, and all this stuff. And um, that's how I went into the game. Was there any special interaction after the game with any of the, the big Chelsea names that you mentioned or anybody else? Uh, after the game, I think uh, there was another dream because all of a sudden, um, now I went to Peter Cech and I asked him, I was very shy and I was like, in like, just say to him, oh, can I have your shirt, please? And, and all the stuff. I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. And then I took his shirt and then all of a sudden he was screaming my name and I turned around and then he said, I want your shirt as well. I couldn't believe. I was like, what does he want with my shirt? And then I said, and then I said to him, can I give you the second shirt in the dressing room because I want to keep the first one uh, for myself and all this stuff. And then he said, okay, I'm going to come to your dressing room and I pick up the shirt. And then I took his shirt and, and everything. And then he came to the dressing room and asked for my second shirt. And I, and I was like, no, I can't believe that. I can't, that can't be true and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, thank God I didn't wake up from the dream and it was true. <laughs> and the funny thing is, 10 years later, and um, I was not 10, probably like seven, eight, eight years later, I played with him at Arsenal and um, uh 
And I asked him about if he if he could remember, and he could remember everything and all this stuff. And he said to me like that he he watched the Bundesliga games, he watched the highlights because he's watching a lot of football at this time. And um, yeah, he was very impressed about how I played at that age and and all this stuff. And yeah, fantastic goalkeeper. He's a legend and a smart guy. And um, yeah, I really appreciate appreciate him. So he made my day and, at that night. So is he going to ask you to play hockey with him now? Do you think? I hope not. I hope not. I think uh, I'm not into hockey and all this stuff. And after my career, when I'm finished with football, I think I'm finished just, with just be finished, right? Just be done. What, what's no, he doing? I don't know. I think he can't stay at home. I don't know. I think he has to do something. He's playing drums. He's studying. He speaks ten languages. He's just too too intelligent for for the world. I would say. Guy, he's so smart, but he doesn't like to chill. I think he can't stay at home. Well, I would think if you're playing hockey after a professional football career, plus playing drums, yeah, I think sitting still might be kind of a challenge. Uh, he's got something. Listen, he's a goalkeeper. We we said it at the top. We said it at the beginning. Like they're they're just a little bit different. And if he wants to go play hockey and learn ten languages and play the drums and listen, let him get his fill. But that that's just like Brent said. That's a that's. It's a little bit not normal, but again, like I said, he's a keeper, so that it's par for the course. <laughs> uh, Bert, I know that uh, you have obviously been capped by the German national side. You played several games uh, with Germany's national team, and you're still very much in the mix. Uh, just missing out on the World Cup back in Russia as well as in Doha. Uh, where do things stand right now uh, with your career as far as the German national team side is concerned? Um, yeah, at the moment, uh, it's a little bit like a strange situation for me. Sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm out. I think even at the national team, I think they don't know really what are the po- which position. Like there's Neuer, he came back from an injury. Then it's Ter Stegen, then there's some other goalies and all this stuff. And you don't really have young goalkeepers in Germany. So I think at the moment, it's a little bit complicated with all the goalkeepers. And I think it all depends... Uh, on us, how we play. I think Neuer and Ter Stegen probably they are the one and two. I don't know if they're going to make one of them as the number one, if the other one will go on the bench. I don't know. Let's see. And then the positions behind them, I think in the future, there could be some big positions because Neuer's already, I think in March, Neuer will be 38. I don't know how long he will play. And all this stuff. So um, I think it depends probably everything on me because Ter Stegen and myself, we are the youngest goalkeepers in Germany. And and we are both 31. And um, yeah, so, but I think if I, if I perform well and all this stuff, I will get my chance. If it's uh, at the Euros in the summer or even after, as I said, it depends all on me. Do you have a relationship with Julian Nagelsmann, the uh, the new manager there? I just met him once when we went to to the US. Um, I think it was in October, and and all this stuff. Um, but apart from that, I've I've never met him and all this stuff. He's a he's a cool guy, chilled guy, and all this stuff. I think he knows a lot of, about football, and um, I'm pretty sure when the German FA when they give him the time, we will be successful with him. I hope at the Euros. But at the moment, it's a difficult time for the German national team and German football in general. But the Euros are in Germany. That's always different. That's always special. So um, hopefully we get the fans on, on our side to to create a little bit atmosphere because at the moment we don't have that atmosphere for, for the football. I have the feeling that people, they don't like watching the national team, of course, because of our performances, because of our results and, and all this stuff. But um, I think within a tournament, in our country, because Germany is a big football country. And I remember the 2006 World Cup. That was absolutely crazy. You can create momentum. And then tournament is just one month. Anything can happen. What do you think the issue has been? I think we haven't been realistic because 2014, we had like a golden generation, I would say. We had like Neuer, Boateng, Hummels, Schweinsteiger, Lahm, Götze, uh, I don't know, probably I forgot like one or two, Özil, Kroos. So you had a lot of big, big players in their prime. 
And at the moment, most of the players, they struggle in their clubs and, and, and all this stuff. They're not in the best moment and all this stuff. And then in Germany, we have a lot of pressure. And then the manager was under pressure. They changed the manager and, and everything. So what there was, yeah. And as I said, and also like with, with all the pro political problems as well, with the, with the armband, with this, what was the name of that? This one love armband and, and all this stuff. The atmosphere in the country was not good. And then you have a lot of neg negative energy, a lot of toxic, uh, like about the German national team. And then there was also corruption and all this stuff with the 2006 World Cup and, and everything. And then the people were not happy with this. So there were a lot of things, not only in terms of football, also like off the pitch. Um, so hopefully we can, uh, yeah, we can sort that out with, uh, or like clear these problems uh, that the players can only focus on football and hopefully everyone can, as I said, can create momentum in their clubs to come with good energy to the tournament. And then, um, yeah, as I said, with the home advantage, with the fans, uh, anything can happen. I was just going to say, and you, you literally just said, said the, the word momentum. Like uh, it's, it, it's a crazy thing. Like you get a little bit of momentum at club, then you take it into national team and, and all of a sudden the, the momentum changes. Um, and with them hosting euros, like that is the moment, right? That's the moment to, to kind of go into and create momentum, not just as like, as, as the team or as footballers, but like as a nation to get back into that German kind of domination where like, it's, it's such a massive footballing country where you just expect them to go out and just perform and perform and perform and perform. And it just shows you that when that momentum is broken, it's, it can be difficult to get it back. Um, but when you do get it back, it's, it's so important to hang on to it. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think, I think, the Euros being in Germany, I think, is is that moment to 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 turn the tide and turn that momentum, um, and then we may see a uh, a a juggernaut again, which probably isn't isn't great for the rest of the world, is it? Let's see. No, not 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 in international football. There's no such thing. It takes too long. There's too much time in between in between camps. Bert, a couple of quick things before we uh, close this out. With some of the new rules um, and the way officiating has applied those rules these days, and with VAR and so much oh, of the, gosh, the chaos that is engulfed, no, no, this isn't, isn't going to be a long and complicated conversation. I just want to get your take on a keeper's perspective, especially on the offsides rule, because I think back to what happened in the Man City game, um, where you were put in a situation where, in the blink of an eye, they're asking a keeper to recognize if a an opposing player is going to be involved in a play or not. And a shot is coming in. You have to react to the shot. You can't be looking around and saying, well, I think that this guy's not going to be involved in the play, so I'm not going to worry about him versus this other player. I mean, it, it seems like it's almost impossible for a keeper to be able to pay attention to everything the rules are asking them to uh, when it comes to the way they're officiating these offsides calls? Uh, I don't know what to say because like uh, it's being a mess in my, in my opinion. As you said, the Man City uh, one is a good example. Header comes in, Akanji is, is like on the line of the ball. He, he, he jumps over, over it. The, he jumped yeah. over the ball, and you can see my movement. I'm making a step, but I delay. Wait, if he touched the ball or not? So passive became active, in my opinion, and that's what was. That was like the centimeters which were missing that I can touch the ball or save the ball, and 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 all this stuff. I think that that rule was was clear, in my opinion. I don't know why. We are thinking what were they doing and all this stuff, but at the moment I have the feeling it's it's just a mess. Every soft touch is a pen, and then they don't see even our pen, the first one. Have you seen it? Have you seen a back pen? Quiet, 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 quiet. Yes, probably was very soft. <laughs> yeah. The foul against him, 
from Tim was very soft in my, my opinion. So I'm not sure if that was like it changed the game a little bit. I would say because Premier League before was like it was hard to get a pen. Now I have the feeling every soft touch is a pen or is a yellow card or or something. And for a keeper, I think all the rules make it harder as a keeper. If it's the the penalty rule, you have to stay on the line and all this stuff. You can't move around. You can't touch the crossbar, the net, or whatever. I don't get that. It's just like just we all love football. Just over don't overcomplicate it, like and and all this stuff. And um, yeah, I think as a player, it kills a little bit the emotion. Sometimes I think like, shall I celebrate? Or maybe there's VAR. Maybe there's offside. Or maybe. They want to see a mistake, especially against the big clubs. Um, it's even more difficult. And um, yeah, I'm not sure if VAR helped the game a lot. Do you find yourself, because of all of these things that are taking place, thinking through scenarios differently in live time during a game? Yes, I would say. And like when you see like the, the replay from different angles in slow motion, sometimes it looks much worse or much less you can say much worse or much even much less in slow motion yeah and yeah. you know then then with the speed it looks it's a soft touch but with the speed of the game it's it's still a foul and, and all this stuff and then they say it's too soft or or whatever and um yeah i don't know to be honest i don't like the air I would love to get like the normal one, even though there's sometimes there's sometimes like a bad decision, but you can see the referees. I think they are under big, big pressure. They don't know what to do. Even in the game, they don't know what to do. They just say like, oh, I whistle penalty and then VAR can check it anyway. Or I don't whistle because VAR is checking, but I think it's it's um, it's uh, it's a foul. I just spoke a couple of weeks ago to a German referee and I asked him about that. And he just said to me, I don't say any names, but he just said to me, like, I only do that, what, like, how it would look on TV, how they speak about that on TV and all this stuff, because you get judged about, uh, because of the, you get judged by, I don't know, all the, all the guys on TV and, and everything. And, um, I think that's, that's the wrong mindset, but as a referee, I think they're under big, big pressure and, um, yeah, the ends they have at the end they have no fans. They <laughs> they just can make everything wrong, and if yeah. they do well, no one cares. So yeah, it's a tough job as well. So I get that that they are under big big pressure, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's probably even even worse. A lot of things that need to be addressed. Uh, well, just one more for us. What is your perspective going into this Liverpool game? What you're expecting from them since they're in such good form and how you approach a team like Liverpool? I think we don't prepare like more special than, than other teams. Of course, they have more quality and, than, than other teams. Enfield at home, always always special game uh, for them. But um I think last season we, we had like two good games. Also away from home at Enfield was just 1-0. I think a soft, soft penalty again. And all the stuff, I think we had a couple of good chances uh, at the end. And uh, I think we all have to suffer a lot, defend a lot, because probably they will have uh, most of the time the ball. The chances we get, we have to take. And um, against Wolves, you saw that as well. The, when you score the first goal, it can change the whole game. I think we had a lot of games, especially away from home. We conceded the first goal and then it's always difficult to come back and, and all this stuff. And um, so hopefully hopefully we can uh, score the first goal. I think they play tomorrow night, so they have maybe they're a little bit more tired and, and all this stuff. And yeah, we 100% we need a perfect day. I just remember the key to you also having a good day is getting solid center back play. So let's put the pressure on the center backs to do their job. And then you can make sure that you take care of your end because then it'll be easier, right? <laughs> Much easier. But it's, it's not only the Listen, center you win and lose as a team. You win and lose as a team. Always. But From front to back and back to front. Players in front of me and 
Liverpool, trust me, everyone has to defend. If not, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can't be can't be can't be uh, playing with eleven guys on the field, but actually only only ten to nine to eight defending. That is that just can't can't happen. That's for sure. Bert, we really appreciate the visit. Thanks so much for the time. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Berno. Appreciate it. I tell you what, I like Bernd Leno. I mean, for a guy who has to spend all of his time standing behind you every week, uh, you know, that's about as good as you can expect. Listen, I, I will tell you, and I said I said this, and I, I say to his face, like I'm I'm not afraid. I, I don't just I don't just say this. That keepers are some weird individuals. They're some strange, strange guys. He is not one of them, which I'm I'm confused by because He's, I think, maybe the only one that I've ever met that isn't isn't out there in outer space as as a keeper. So, I, I mean, I like him. I like him just for that. Uh, you forget everything else. Forget that he's a great great keeper. Um, you know, unbelievable person. Just that he's normal. Well, because of the way you know keepers typically are, are you waiting for that one moment for him to finally snap or for that crazy to come out at some point? No, I'm not. I don't, I'm not like, oh, oh okay. when's the penny going to drop? I, I don't, I don't think it's going to come. I, I don't think it's, it's never yeah. going to get to that point. Quiet, mild mannered assassin back in goal for Fulham. That's kind of a good reputation though, right? Yeah, I think so. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> I, I think it is. And I think he's a good guy to have when you go to a place like Anfield, which is coming up this weekend, uh, a very tough inform Liverpool squad. What? Is it like for you when you walk into Anfield, you hear you'll never walk alone, the atmosphere, the vibes, how does it hit you? Yeah, I just think uh, it's, it's a, it's a historic stadium. Um, it's a historic, historic ground. Um, and in fact, I think the first time I ever set foot in there would have been the first leg of the, uh, the story of, of the, uh, the manager who threw the, uh, the coffee mug, the tea mug. Um, so that was that was you know the first leg of the the cup game. So hearing that, um, you know, hearing the the never walk alone, I wouldn't say it's like it's something that that like strikes me and like moves me, but the the energy kind of reverberates and like you feel like you feel the energy from from the crowd. But I wouldn't say it's it's something that I'm like in in awe of and and like taken aback by that's that's just you know going too far well you know if nothing else you and Mo Salah can exchange uh the dirty details about your relative arm injuries and just remind him of Sergio Ramos and you know what happened uh in the Champions League final I mean maybe get into his head a little bit right yeah maybe maybe talk to him about his shoulder my forearm yeah although I'm not wearing the yeah. I'm not wearing the uh the brace anymore I've been I've been cleared so I don't have to wear that godforsaken thing anymore which is nice. Oh, I feel free again. Yeah. Wow. This is uh, big news, huh? Big news. I mean, big news in my house. I don't know about anywhere else. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh, talk to you on the back end of the Liverpool game. Hopefully there are no mugs thrown in the dressing room. Hopefully things are a little more cheerful. Hopefully VAR doesn't become the big story of this match or any others this weekend. But I mean, that's asking a lot. I mean, what I yeah, just said right there no, is asking a lot no for chance. one weekend of Premier League football. Yeah, not going to happen. Hopefully, you come away with the points. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.